It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA, and the Edge of Philly Sports Network. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, this is show number 390 for us at Philly Press Box Radio as we start our ninth year. And there's never been a better lineup than we have tonight with Pro Football Hall of Fame writer Ray Dittinger, Baseball Hall of Fame J.G. Taylor Spink Award winner Paul Hagan, both making return visits to Philly, Philly Press Box Radio on the same night. And we also have some Sixers news to talk about as well. Well, Bill, given the circumstances, we're not going to talk a whole lot about the 76ers. We're going to keep that to a minimum. They stunk up the joint last night and... Uh, we have two fantastic guests, as you said. So I want to stay in a good mood and focus more on them than what we saw down in Miami last night. The Sixers, though, do have their backs against the wall. We'll get to them later. But uh, we, we got more important things, first of all. Well, we certainly do. And uh, as we mentioned, we're going to have Ray Didinger is going to be our first guest. And uh, But before we get started with that, a bunch of people have asked how they can uh, send messages or well wishes to Ray on his retirement uh, so what we want to do is we want to tell everybody if they want to leave a comment over in the comment section here, we will pick them up and try to get them up on the screen for Ray to see uh, as we proceed throughout the show and uh, do it that way. Yeah. You know, there's an expression on the Internet, Bill, about something trending. And this week, <laughs> our first guest has absolutely been trending over the past few days since that big announcement Sunday morning. So let's bring him on and talk to him about well, it. Well, let's get to it. Let's welcome Ray Dittinger back to Philly Press Box Radio on a little different terms uh, tonight, Ray. Congratulations to you. Welcome back. And uh, we're going to talk about your least favorite thing, probably, and that's you. Hey, Ray. Hey, guys. Your audio is breaking up a little bit, so I may... Uh... I may have to ask you to repeat stuff. Okay, yeah, you're you're a little fuzzy on your end. I don't, I don't mean that in a personal way. So uh, <laughs> if if we lose you, you know, just check back with us. Uh, Ray, okay. I got to tell you, I got to tell you something. When you decided to call your great book last year finished business, I thought maybe it was because you were planning to retire. You said no, but silly me. Last month, when I asked you about coming on our show in early May to talk about the draft. I suggested May 4th. You said, hey, you might want to wait till May 11th because you had an announcement coming. And I never thought that it might be a retirement thing. So now that it's actually happened and we're like four days in, how do you feel about the tens of thousands probably of emails and tributes that you've heard and seen over the last few days? Um, pretty um, pretty overwhelming. Uh, it's, it's the best way to put it. Um I made the announcement um, at, at the end of a Sunday show with Glenn. Um, and I think it took a lot of people by surprise, not Glenn, of course, he knew it was coming, but uh, I had, you know, I had kept it really quiet because I, I didn't want it to become like a big thing. Um, but I, uh, uh, when I announced it, I, I mean, I knew there'd be some reaction, uh, but it's been far more than I anticipated. The the volume of it, and the uh, just the um, the beautiful thoughts that people are expressing. Um, some of them old friends. You just saw the the one note there from Jason Stark, who's yeah. you know a dear friend and you know a Hall of Famer in his own right, baseball Hall of Fame writer. Uh, um, but a lot of people who were total strangers. You know, people who said, you know, I met you at a book signing five years ago, or uh, I met you at Tommy and me six years ago, uh, or, you know, guys I went to high school with that I hadn't seen literally since graduation, uh, all just kind of reaching out to me and, uh, wishing me well. And it's been, um, um, it's a difficult, it, you know, it's, it was a difficult decision in some ways. Uh, and I know there are a lot of things about this work that I'm going to miss. Uh, and I know that the final show on May 29th is going to be really tough to get through. Oh, yeah. I know that, I know that already. Um, but all the all the really wonderful things that people are saying and and all the 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 uh, 
the expressions of real affection and, and truly love that people are expressing uh, will will really cushion the blow more or less. So um, it's been uh, I knew that I knew there'd be people reacting, but not the way it's been for the last three days. It's really been it's really been kind of a, an emotional tsunami. It's really yeah. it's the best way of describing it. And it's been uh, it's been really very it's it's really been very moving for me. Well, you know, Ray, when you think about it, anybody that uh, has followed the Eagles, say from that was born in, say, 1980 uh, on, has never known Eagles football without Ray Didiger. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right, Bill. I, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I, I remember the guy who was covering the Eagles for the Philadelphia Bulletin when I was a kid um, was a guy named Hugh Brown. Uh, and from the time I was 10 years old or so, I loved the Eagles. So I read, I read everything that you Brown wrote in the Philadelphia Bulletin. Uh, I mean, I looked for his byline and I read it. And to me, he was the gospel of Eagles football. Uh, and it seemed to me like he was there forever. Uh, and as it turned out, I wound up succeeding <laughs> Hugh Brown. Uh, he retired. I was the guy that came in to take his place. I mean, what are the odds of that, right? Hmm. Um, but but what struck me was when I added it up, the years that he actually covered the Eagles um, was like 21 years. And as a reader, it seemed like forever. I mean, it seemed like he had covered them for their entire history. 21 years. I've been covering the Eagles for 53. <laughs> so, I mean, so what so what seemed to me to be a lifetime for Huey Brown is double that and then some for me. So, yeah, you're right. I think for not just a generation, but probably several generations of Eagles fans, you know, they've been sort of seeing the Eagles through my eyes and through my writing. Uh, Ray, you've been a great friend to Bill and me here at Philly Press Box Radio, and it actually began for us uh, with you in the fall of 2014. You and our mutual pal, Mark Eckel, if I can find that picture. There it is. You guys were doing a show over at uh, Sandy's in Langhorne, and we were in our first year of doing our show, trying to build up a following. And I got up the nerve to approach you and ask you about coming on our little show. And for some unknown reason, you agreed. And here we are seven and a half years later. And this, by the way, Ray, is your 19th visit to our show. So we can't thank you enough for that. It's been a pleasure. It really is. I, I remember that night at Sandy's. Yeah. Uh, um, I really remember the roast beef sandwich, which was superb. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but I but I remember I remember that night. I mean, I, I did that. Uh, I did that uh, Sandy's thing with Mark Eckel for a number of years, and it was always a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I remember meeting you and you said, we're doing this show and it's a podcast and would love to have you on. Would you do it? And I said, sure. You know, I mean, it's uh, I I was happy to do it. And I've been happy to revisit you all of these times. I didn't know it was that many, but um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had fun. I've had fun every time. You guys are, uh, you guys are, you know, are, are fun to visit with. So it's it's been a pleasure. We Thanks, appreciate Ray. that. Well, you know, Ray, all of all the different things that I've read, uh, all the accolades and comments, there was one that really stuck out for me, and I wish I would have written the fellow's name down, but it was just kind of a a random Facebook post that came up uh, Monday, and it was from a guy who actually worked in the McDonald's. And you walked into the McDonald's to get your order of whatever some years ago. And he was a manager of some sort, I guess. He was sitting there doing his paperwork or whatever. He saw you, walked over, introduced himself to you. And you were as nice as you could be to him. And his comment to this day is, the same guy you see on TV is the same guy that walked into McDonald's. I think that's a great thing. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Um, I... I really think it's a pretty good description. Uh, I, I mean, I kind of, you know, what you see is what you get. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I've never been one person on camera and another person off. Um, I love the fans. I love my interaction with the fans. Uh, it's never, it's never a burden for me to stop on the street and talk to somebody who wants to ask a question about the Eagles or the teams or whatever. Um, because, you know, I mean, years ago, that was me. You know, I mean, that was how I, before I started doing what I'm doing, I was a fan, you know, and I, and I was, and I remember, um, 
when I was nine, 10 years old, hanging out in my grandfather's bar in Southwest Philadelphia, uh, he knew a lot of sports figures. My grandfather did. And they used to, they used to come to his bar, uh, ball players, uh, team executives, umpires. I mean, you, you never walked in there any hour of the day or night and there wasn't somebody that was uh, connected with sports. Uh, and I was just this little kid from up the street. And if there was an umpire there, or if there was, there was a guy named, a guy was there a lot. And it was a guy named Gus Nyerhose, who was a, a catcher for the Yankees uh, back in the fifties. Uh, he was Yogi Berra's backup. Didn't get to play much, but, but he won a lot of world series rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of lived in the area in the off season. And he was in my grandfather's bar a lot. And when I would walk in and see him there, um, and I would make a beeline to him and just ask him all, you know, asking him all the questions that came off the back of my baseball cards, you know, and, uh, and he was so nice about it and so welcoming. Um, I just thought that was great. You know, so now the shoe is a little bit on the other foot that, you know, I'm the guy that people want to come up and talk to, and I'm only too happy to do it. I, I, and I can say, I can say this honestly in the 50 years I've been doing this, um, walking down the street or walking through the parking lot, through the tailgaters and stuff. Uh, I mean, I've probably been approached a thousand times by different groups of people. Uh, and I, this is the truth. I have never had one bad experience. I've never had one person come up. I've never had one single person come up and say, you're a jerk. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, any of the kind of stuff. And listen, if you went on a tailgate Sunday, Man, there's some, you know, I mean, there's some loose cannons out there. Okay. I understand that. Uh, and, but I've never had one person come up and say anything negative. I mean, it's all been, Hey, we love the post game show. I listen to you and Glenn every Saturday. I mean, over and over and over for not just years, but decades. And so, you know, my reaction, my interaction with the fans has always been really one of the highlights of the job. Yeah. I heard you say that if you were to, you know, say what your legacy should be it would be that you're always fair and honest and that that is true you're not a hot take guy you just give your opinion but you always keep it real and it's a shame more media folks don't take that same approach oh i heard a guy in wip call in on monday and what he said was uh it's like the old investment firm ef hutton and their commercials (laughs) when ray diddy speaks about football you listen you are the godfather of football ray yeah um ike reese gave me that name yeah. Ike gave me that name, and um, I wear it proudly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like that. Um, you know, and, and Ike, um, when I saw Ike after he found because he didn't know this was coming. So when I spoke to him after it was kind of out there, um, you know, he said that, um, you know, I, I remember meeting you for the first time. You know, I was just a fifth-round draft pick from Michigan State, you know, here, didn't know which end was up. And uh, he said you were one of the first people to come up and introduce yourself and welcome me to Philadelphia. And uh, he said, you were just straight up with me right from the first day. And, uh, and here we are all these years later um, working together at WIP. So it's funny how things work out. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what you said, Chet, is, um, is, I mean, that's true. I mean, I've been asked a number of times, how, how would you like to be remembered? And, um, and that's it. I, I'd like to be remembered as honest. You know, I mean, I never thought of myself as the greatest writer in the world. I never thought of myself as the greatest broadcaster in the world. You know, I, I, I was I was never Jim Murray, nor was I ever Al Michaels, you know, and I never I never tried to be. The only thing I tried to be was me. And I tried to just be honest with the fans uh, and just shoot straight with them, you know, because I really do think and you guys would know this doing what you're doing for as long as you've been doing. You got to be honest with these people. You know, the fans in this area, they're too smart. You know, you can't fool them. They don't want you conning them. You know, if uh, if a team is bad, they don't want you trying to be Joe Fan and telling them it's good because they will lose all respect for you and you'll be gone. The only way you can survive here, and I've survived for 50 years, is just be honest with these folks uh, and respect their intelligence because their intelligence is real. Well, Ray, you know, we're, I'm not going to go over the whole list of awards. There's many, 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 many over the years. Uh, and obviously the Pro Football Hall of Fame is, is a big one. Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame is, is a big one to you, I'm sure, as well. Uh, all the work at NFL Films, the books you've written, Eagles Encyclopedia, Finished Business. Um, Tommy and me, 
as a playwright. Um, any regrets, anything you missed that you'd like to say, boy, one time I really would have liked to have done that. No, no, I, I, I really feel like, um, there's not, there are no boxes left to check, you know? Um, the only one, the only one that was out there was, um, seeing the Eagles win a Super Bowl. That was, that was kind of it, you know? And, you, I mean, you guys held up the cover. I mean, finished business was that. You know, Angelo, Angelo asked me uh, a really good question on Monday. Angelo said to me, if the Eagles had not won that Super Bowl, would you be retiring now? That was a really good question. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I honestly hadn't really thought about that. Um, and I said to him, you know, I don't think so. I, I mean, that was, I had covered the two Flyers Stanley Cups. I had covered the two Phillies World Series. I had covered the Sixers championship over the Lakers. Um, the one thing that was missing really was seeing the Eagles win a Super Bowl. And, and since that's the team I've covered the most and the team I'm most associated with, that was a pretty glaring hole in the resume, you know. And I, I wanted, I had written, you know, I had been to all the other parades uh, and I had helped all those other teams celebrate their championships. But after 50 years, I really kind of wanted to pay it off by seeing the Eagles win one uh, and seeing the city celebrate it. And so if that hadn't happened, Bill, um, I, I would have felt I would have felt like there was something missing or something I would have said, you know, that's the one thing I would have loved to have done. But now I've done it. Uh, and and honestly, after the Super Bowl and having kind of the moment with my son, which everybody saw on television, um, it was such a perfect day and such a perfect ending to the perfect day that um, when I walked away from there, you know, I thought, you know what, I don't know that it could be any better than this, you know. And so that's when I wrote the book, Finished Business, and that was kind of how it felt. So I, I kind of knew, I didn't know exactly when this day was coming, but I knew that it was close. Come on, Ray, admit it. You have one regret. It's <laughs> November 1980. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yes. My 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 luncheon partner in New Orleans. My my would be luncheon partner in New Orleans. So the, the beautiful Christy Brinkley. Yes, that, uh, we, we don't have to recount that story again. <laughs> no, 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 yes, we don't. Hey, hey but, Ray, uh, I was curious about the Christy Brinkley story. It, oh, it, if if lunch did work, couldn't you set up dinner? Um, no, <laughs> Bill. She she wasn't all that interested. Uh, it was. You know, Angelo has over time. Angelo has tried to build this into something much more than it really was. I mean, it, it was. Trust me, it was a very casual lunch invitation. It was nothing <laughs> more. Uh, yeah, if she had really been interested and said, "Oh, okay, you got to write a story now," but okay, you can't do lunch. How about dinner? Well, now, now we're talking. That's an entirely different conversation. Uh, but, uh, but that offer was never put on the table. Okay. <laughs> Hey, by the way, Ray, in your honor, I was taking my notes for our uh, little chat tonight ah. on a yellow legal pad. Speaking of which, I heard you tell Glenn on Sunday, I'm pretty sure you were serious also, that even though you are retiring, you are still going to take notes on those yellow legal pads when you're watching Eagles games this fall. Why, Ray? Why? <laughs> uh, it's uh, I've been watching football that way for so long that uh, I don't think I can watch a game without it now. I mean, when I watch the college games on Saturdays, um, I've got the yellow legal tablet out next to me and I'm taking notes. Now, there's a purpose to it because I'm putting notes away for looking ahead to the draft. Um, OK, I understand that. But part of it is just that's how I that's how I kind of stay in the game. That's how I kind of. I kind of keep my head in the game. Uh, and so if, if, if I tried to watch a football game now um, without charting every play and, you know, and all the coverages and the personnel packages and all the things that I write down, uh, to me, it wouldn't be like watching a football game. I mean, it's, it's become such a part of me that I can't imagine watching a game without it. So yeah. this season, even though I'm not going to be in the press box or the studio um, I'll probably be on my couch, you know, one hand petting the bulldog, but the other hand, I'll be, I'll be writing down, down and distances and, uh, red zone percentages. 
Hey, Ray, uh, for us guys, older guys, I'll, I'll include Chet in this, us older guys who uh, like to watch NFL films and like to watch old videos, and uh, you produced a bunch of those, but you're also interviewed in a bunch of those that go back for many, many years of many great moments in pro football. Um, they kind of give you the chills when you watch them yourself, or do you, do you watch them yourself and think, man, that, that was that was a great time or that was a great topic? Or he was a great player. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, I I really love the history of the game. I, I really do, and uh, um, I love that era, the old black and white footage. Um, you know, the white football, <laughs> the the goalposts on the goal line. Um, I mean, those were the guys that played in the game back then. You know, the Tommy McDonalds, the Pete Redslaffs, uh, Van Brocklins, uh, Hugh McElhenney's. I mean, those guys. They're the guys that built the game. They're the guys that built the game. You know, I mean, the guys who are playing today and, you know, the Tom Brady's and the guys that are, you know, drive, have a fleet of cars and supermodel wives, you know, they're sort of standing on the shoulders of the guys in the 50s who were playing for $8,000 a year. Uh, and so that era of football, that's the era I grew up watching. That's the era that I fell in love with the game. Uh, and so that always has a special place in my heart. And Whenever NFL Films does shows, and to be honest with you, I don't think they do nearly enough about that time. I mean, it's sort of like that's in the vault and it's going to stay in the vault and everything is about the here and now, which is fine. But I think that uh, whenever they do something that's really, truly retrospective, you know, they always they always wheel me out. <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that's always talking over the black and white footage. I'm the guy that's always talking over the shots where guys don't have face masks. But that's OK. Um, that's okay because that's, you know, to me, that was, that's really the grassroots of football and I'd never get tired of talking about it. Well, you've been talking about it for 53 years, but here's a picture from, I guess, 54 or 55 years ago, you at WRTI, you're a very fortunate guy who's been able to do pretty much what you've wanted to do with your life from, I guess, your high school and college days. So you're lucky. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, that's actually, um, that's actually Temple University. Uh, yeah. That's when I was, uh, I was actually sports, that's the, I was sports editor of the Temple News uh, that, that year. That was my junior year. I was the sports editor, both the fall and the spring. Um, and that was a great time to be a journalism student at Temple University. It was a great time to be working at the Temple News uh, because, how about this, okay? The, this guy who was the sports editor before me, the year before was Jay Russell Peltz, who went on to become a hall, a, a great boxing promoter and is now in the boxing hall of fame. Mm -hmm. Then I follow him. And the guy that followed me was Dick Weiss, who is better known as hoops Weiss hoops. and is in the basketball hall, the Naismith basketball hall of fame uh, up in Massachusetts. So um, you think about that three years in a row, Temple University, Temple News, your sports editors were a boxing Hall of Famer, a football Hall of Famer, followed by a basketball Hall of Famer. Um, it was a it was a great time to be uh, it was a great time to be in the sports department at the Temple News back then, because, I mean, it was really like working at a professional newspaper because the guys working around you were, were that good. Hey, Ray, um, I don't want to run out of time without putting this up there. We, we said it Let me get it in front of the screen. Unfinished business. Father's Day is coming up. Uh, these are still available, and this is a tremendous read. And uh, for us lucky guys, we got the signed version. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'll be, um, I'll be. I should be doing that again in a couple of weeks. That's uh, what I want you to tell us. Yep, two weeks from now um, on Saturday, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, uh, I will be doing. Maybe the last book signing. Uh, it'll be at the Barnes and Noble in Wilmington uh, on uh, on Route 202. There, uh, I'll be there from I think three o'clock because I got radio that day. So I'll be on the radio till one, and then uh, I'll be at the Barnes and Noble in Wilmington from three to five, signing copies of Finished Business and also Eagles Encyclopedia. So if you want to come out and get a book signed, that'll probably be the day to do it. Hey, Ray, before we do run out of time, uh, not that you asked, but I have a few suggestions for you to help you enjoy <laughs> retirement, okay? 
Now you can let me know I'm afterwards. If if any of these sound appealing, you can let me know afterwards. Okay. All Number right. one, finally take up Glenn Mack now on his offer to pay for a Netflix subscription and binge watch TV shows every day. That's one thing. Number two, Not be, like Joe, be like Joe DeCamera <laughs> and watch and rewatch all seven seasons of the West Wings, start to finish 17 times. No, probably not, not. happening. Number <laughs> three, make your overdue comeback, Ray. And join another professional softball league, resuming your memorable career from back in the late 1970s. Tell everybody, mm. Ray, what was what was your nickname back then? <laughs> the vacuum cleaner, because <laughs> you were a great defensive. I, I, uh, I, I actually, I actually was a halfway decent third baseman. Not a lot of power, but I could, I could, I could pick it. Number four, create a TikTok account and post <laughs> daily dance videos of yourself. No. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Number five, track down Christy Brinkley and tell her, you know, even though you're married now, that you could still maybe do that lunch that didn't happen 42 years ago. Maybe I think she's, I think she's moved on, Chad. <laughs> Probably. Or maybe just this one, Ray. Spend quality time with your wife, your kids, and your grandkids. Travel the world and enjoy life. How's that? Bingo. That's my there plan. I mean, you were uh, you, you you saw my game plan. That's that's pretty right. much it. I've got uh, a couple things I want to do. I, I want to find one time, one time somewhere along the line. I, I want to be good enough that I can beat my grandson at Madden. That's that's sort of what I'm working on. <laughs> well, hey uh, Ray, uh, before again before we go, we have our next guest wants to come on and speak to you. He's an old colleague of yours. Uh, Paul Hagen wants to have a word with you, my friend. Hi, Ray. Hello, Paul. How, How are you doing? doing? Uh, all I can say, Ray, is I, I kind of feel like uh, following you on this show today, I feel like Chris James going out to play third base <laughs> on May 29th, 1989, after Mike Smith retired. <laughs> but, uh, congratulations. Hey, and uh, uh, congratulations. And I just, you know, to the, to the people out there, I just want to say two real quick things. Um, everything you've heard about Ray being a great guy and a great uh, columnist are true, but I would add two more things. Um, if you can find a columnist these days who's really good at one sport and kind of good at another one, uh, that's that's considered pretty good. Ray Ray was good at all of them, and that's unbelievable the bandwidth he had. Uh, and um, you know, to the to the newspapers and the society who doesn't believe in institutional memory anymore, I would just give you uh, I would give you Ray to show you what the uh, value of that is. Uh, why it matters even today. And, um, you know, I, I, and I, I guess the last thing I would say is um, reality check is still one of my favorite lines I've ever heard. <laughs> Classic. Well, I, I have to, one of the, one of the great memories I'm going to take away um, is, are, are the people I worked with uh, both at the Philadelphia Bulletin and then at the Daily News and then at NFL Films. Uh, I had, I worked with some of the best. I mean, the absolute best uh, in all of those fields total pros great guys paul was absolutely one of those guys oh, thank you that means a lot coming from you right before you go i it's not quite andy reed and doug peterson giving you some well wishes but our guys at our little edge of philly sports network wanted to say a couple of things to you so sit sit down relax for two and a half minutes here you go Ray Dittinger, Ray Diddy, man, you took that book title finished business and you ran with it. You finished your business. Happy retirement. Not only can we thank you from Edge of Philly Sportsnet for everything you've done for us, but just what you've done over the years for the city of brotherly love. All the Eagles fans as a whole, thank you so much and congratulations again and hopefully we'll get to speak to you again one day. Ray, Tom Kelly from the Patterson Half Fanatic Show. Just want to say thank you for all the great memories over the years. Good luck on your retirement. Enjoy it. You deserve it. To one of the greats, thank you. Hey, Ray, how you doing? This is Matty B from Talking Philly Sports. It's Matty B here on the Edge of Philly Sports Network. Hey, I'm new to the network, but I certainly am not new to the Delaware Valley or Philadelphia. And in the occasion of your retirement, I want to say um, congratulations and a job well done. You represented not only the city of Philadelphia, but you represented the the, um, the fan bases of all the four major teams of the city with class and dignity and respect um, for all these years. And it is a much um, earned retirement. So 
Take care, and I still hope to see you out at the ballpark, Ray. Take care. Hey, it's Joe March from Patterson Ave Fanatics wishing you, Ray Dinger, a happy and prosperous retirement. You earned it. You're the GOAT of Philly sports. You're the bar setter of Philly sports. I couldn't be where I am and doing what I'm doing without your inspiration. Thank you. Have a great retirement. Hey, Ray, it's James Scorzik here from the Patterson Avenue Fanatics. Uh, just want to take a couple seconds just to say, Congratulations on your retirement, you know. I have to say it's been an honor and also it's been a privilege enough to say that I was able to meet a Philadelphia sports legend like yourself and all the best going forward with your family and friends. Uh, we are going to miss you very, very dearly. Um, so all the best going forward in your future endeavors. And always remember, Ray, go Birds. Hey, Ray, Cowboy Dave here. I just want to wish you a happy retirement. And I'm sure your boys at pregame and postgame life for the Eagles will miss you as well. Good luck in the future and hope to see you soon. Happy retirement. Take care. See ya. Hey, Big Al here. And Ray, I just want to wish you a happy retirement. You deserve it. You are the man. You are the GOAT. You are the best. You do Delco proud. We are just so happy to have a chance to interview, get to know you. And we just want to hope, wish you a very happy retirement. Enjoy your family. You deserve it. You're the best. If we, we're not seeing you on Sundays, breaking down the Eagles, but we'll get used to it. EOP will be here to cover up the slack for you, of course, but we'll never be able to do it like you do. Uh, guy, just, you are amazing and we are so proud of you and you deserve this. So have a great one and we love you. All right. That's awesome. That is really awesome. And it's sort of reflects, as I was saying to you, a lot of the stuff that's just been coming to me over the last few days. Um, never expected it to be like this. Uh, I thought there might be a few attaboys and goodbye. <laughs> But it's been, but it's been really great, and it's been really heartfelt. And uh, and uh, you know, and again, I'll say that the opportunity that I had to work with people like Paul Hagen uh, and some of the people that I've worked with, both at NFL Films and newspapers, was not just fun; it was a privilege. Uh, and I feel like a, a really lucky guy. So, um, got a few more weeks of radio to do, and then it's off to see the grandchildren. There you go. Well, Ray, I don't think you you appreciate it. And as time goes by, maybe you will. It's it's guys like you just saw on that video that are all influenced by Ray Dittinger over all the years. I think that's the that's the hidden gem here that uh, that that all the thank yous and things like that don't even really recognize. It's a it's a whole bunch of people that are following uh, uh, groundwork or footsteps that you laid for them, and we certainly all, me and Chet as well, appreciate that been a great pleasure guys it's been a great pleasure visiting with you and i'm not going anywhere you know i'm not like old baseball writers most of whom go down to Clearwater, get in the condo and eat dinner at denny's at four o'clock i'm going to be i'm going to be hanging around here and you're probably going to be bumping into me at the ballpark i'm throwing out the first pitch at a phillies game in a couple of weeks maybe nice. i'll see paul there at that one so uh, so so but i'll be around and if, if you see me around please Feel free to come up and strike up a conversation. I'm always ready to talk Philly sports. Ray, I'm taking you out to dinner sometime this summer. We're going to arrange that, okay? Okay, fair enough. All right. Good deal. Well, Ray. Take care, guys. Yeah, and hey, Ray, we want to just be sure for you and your wife, best wishes, best health and happiness, most importantly, as you uh, you head into the next, next uh, phase. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. And, Paul, it's always great seeing you, man. Thanks, Ray. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, sure Will. All right. Wow. Doesn't get much better than that, does it, guys? It does yep. not. All right. Well, Paul, we have to take care of just a little bit of business for about two minutes. Then we're going to jump back to you, okay? All, All right. right. Chet, I don't know how we top that, but uh, we're topping it with gas prices right now. They keep going up and traveling is going down. Uh, is your couch getting more mileage than your car? If so, it's time for you to start saving with all states pay as you go auto insurance. Don't get people started on the gas prices, Bill. But yes, all states pay as you go gas insurance. Gas insurance, auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay per mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay per mile car insurance by calling your local agent in Westchester, Pennsylvania. That is Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700 and start to save more now that you are driving less.
Well, hey, Chet, speaking of driving less but still trying to get out, uh, what about the Irish Rover Station House? What do they have going on? Bill, I'll tell you, I was over there last Thursday. All is well at the Rover. They're coming off a great weekend with a Kentucky Derby crowd, a nice bash there on Saturday, and a full house for Mother's Day on Sunday. And while it was likely too wet to enjoy it this past weekend, the Rover's outside patio is now officially open for the spring and summer with lots of warmer weather on tap in the days ahead. I can't wait. Lunch specials, dinner specials, a great prime rib dinner special this weekend, for example. Happy hour specials. And yes, always 24 beers on tap. Check the website for details, irishroverstationhouse.com. Or just pop in. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. All right. Well, let's get Paul back. And Paul, we appreciate you joining uh, joining us with Ray and uh, and waiting patiently. Uh, but let's let's be sure we do something right here. We have to give you your proper introduction on this Hall of Fame night. The Baseball Hall of Fame J.G. Taylor Spink Award winner, Paul Hagan. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much. You're much better than Chris James, Paul, just so you know. <laughs> hey, Paul. I can only imagine what was going through his mind that night. <laughs> yeah, really. Paul, six weeks ago, Bill and I were pretty excited about this year's Phillies team. The season hasn't gone exactly as we had hoped. They did just take two out of three from Seattle, which is good. What are your impressions of this team about a fifth of the way into the season? Yeah, I mean, they've been kind of what I expected. Um, I thought they would hit. And they have the, uh, I think, the third highest OPS in baseball. So they, they have hit, but they're only a plus 10 uh, run differential. So uh, that goes back to the, the pitching question marks, I think, that some of us had going into the season. Uh, you know, Zach Wheeler's coming off a great year, but he had the shoulder issue. Uh, I don't think anybody really knew what to expect from Aaron Nola. You kind of hope he'll bounce back to be what he was a few years ago. Zach Eflin shows you stretches you know this maybe this is a year he puts together so i think there are some questions and the bullpen is always a little bit of a crapshoot because you just don't know with relievers uh, and we didn't expect the defense to be very good and i, I think that's uh, sort of shown up so you know here you have a team that that is hitting pretty much as expected uh but is in i think fourth place in the division third or fourth place well paul one of the things that i've i've been talking about since the abbreviated spring training is how do you come out of this uh, into this season with no leadoff hitter? Uh, to me, they they don't have one. And they, they, you need a table setter, and I don't see one in this lineup. The closest they have is Odubel Herrera, but they don't seem to want to use him there. Well, um, and I should add just to my previous comment. And oh, by the way, they're going into a really tough portion of the schedule, yeah. starting with four games in LA starting tomorrow. Um, well, I, I mean, you're right that they don't have a prototypical leadoff hitter, a Lenny Dykstra type or a Ricky Henderson type. Uh, but, you know, the whole point of of having that guy uh, in the in in the traditional way baseball has been played was a guy who gets on base, maybe steals second. Uh, you know, you move him over to a third with a ground ball to the right side. Uh, you, you, you know, get a sack fly or something, and you score a run, you get up one nothing. Well, baseball is not played that way anymore. Nope. Um, so I don't think it's as big a deal as it it might be, or maybe as I would like it <laughs> to be, uh, being a, a curmudgeonly old dinosaur like I am. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think right now you just look for a guy who's going to get on base. And Schwarber historically has, has done well out of the leadoff spot and has a pretty good on-base percentage historically. So, um, I mean, I can remember 40 years ago, Mike Hargrove leading off for the Rangers for a while. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a base stealer. It just has to be a guy with a good eye, gets on base, ideally sees, you know, sees quite a few pitches. And, uh, but now the way the game's played is you just get him on and hope somebody behind him hits a home run. Seems like that's what they do. Well, Paul, one real bright spot, uh, spot out in Seattle has been Reese Hoskins finally starting to hit. He's over 200, up around 220. I think he's hit a few home runs, a grand slam today, giving them all the runs they needed. So how, how crucial is it to get Reese starting to, you know, get back on track? Well, I don't think, I mean, obviously uh, he has shown in the past he's the kind of guy who can carry a team for a while. Uh, all hitters are streaky. Power hitters tend to be streakier than any other hitters. And Reese may be one of the streakiest guys I've ever seen. I mean, 
he seems to be really, really hot or really, really cold. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, I think he's homered in each of the three games. In I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so obviously uh, for him to get hot, but he can't do it by himself either. I mean, he did it by himself today with a, with a ball that yeah. uh, was a, a tracer, but just, just fair and just over the fence in the corner in left field. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you need him to, to be Reese Hoskins. You need Bryce Harper to be Bryce Harper. You don't need any of these guys necessarily to be above and beyond what they are, but you just want them, you know, if, if everybody went out every day and played to their level, this would be an incredible offense, but baseball doesn't work that way. Yeah. So you, you just need Reese to be part of it. Not, he doesn't have to do more than he's capable of. He just needs to do what he's capable of. Hey, Paul, in all your years of covering the Phillies, did you ever see a situation that happened like with Alec Bohm, uh, where it looks like he, he's not going to win the job coming out of camp, maybe not even going to make the team. Then he has a meltdown in the first couple of games, uh, says something not so flattering to Philadelphia, bounces back, the fans jump on it, they're good, and now all of a sudden the guy's hitting well and playing well let's call it adequate defense at this point uh you ever seen anything like that especially fan reaction to something yeah the the thing that reminded me most of is after mitch williams gave up the uh home run to joe carter in the world series to to lose the world series and the fact that he just stood there in his locker and and uh answered wave after wave after wave of questions never ducked it um you know took it on his own shoulders and i think alec bohm pretty much did the same thing uh, and I think people, people all over, but I think people in Philadelphia particularly appreciate that, you know, that, that you, you take responsibility for yourself. Uh, I think they understood that he was frustrated. Um, and, and the fact that he just admitted he was frustrated and admitted he said it and didn't try to make excuses, uh, I think goes a long way. Paul, you mentioned the Phillies have a tough schedule coming up. In fact, it's kind of brutal the next three weeks at Los Angeles, then home against the Padres and Dodgers followed by road trips to Atlanta to play the Braves and then to City Field to play the Mets. You think Joe Girardi is still going to be the manager come Memorial Day? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't I don't 100% blame Joe Girardi for, what's, for what the record is, although that's how managers are judged. I think that if I were still covering the team and I was around it every day, you know, my yardstick is, is the manager getting everything out of the team there is to get. Uh, and just watching the games on TV and listening to them on the radio, I don't think you can really tell that. I think you have to be around it every day to, to know better. Uh, I do find it kind of interesting that it, it seemed to me that he was, that Joe Girardi was um, really laid back earlier in the season, yeah. as, as recently as a couple of weeks ago. And I couldn't really understand why. Uh, and, and the team seemed to be reflecting it a little bit, but last night he got thrown out Um you know, today he used Knable for a, a four-out save, uh, which he had done once before, but it's not, I think, the sort of thing he normally does. So I think maybe he's projecting a little more sense of urgency. But, you know, it's easy sometimes to sit here and, and be a pop psychologist from the, from the cheap seats. <laughs> That's for sure. Hey, um, Paul, when uh, I wanted to ask you about the designated hitter rule now in the National League. It's been a long time coming. Uh, are you for it or against it? And and I still have to ask you again, what do you think of that runner on second? Um, as, as Siskel and Ebert used to say, two thumbs down. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't like I don't like the DH. I think it takes away the strategy. Um, I, I, I did think uh, going into the season that it would be interesting to see, you know, one of the things to go back to Joe Girardi for a minute that people talked about last year was they didn't think he handled the bullpen very well. Or, or maybe he just didn't have good relief pitchers. I'm not sure. But um, this really takes a lot of those decisions out of the manager's hands mm -hmm. uh, with the DH. Uh, so that was one thing. Uh, the uh, the runner on second, I hate it. It's a gimmick. Uh, but, you know, uh, basketball, I mean, hockey's gone to a shootout. Um, sports are changing. Um, baseball is clearly trying – desperately to appeal to younger people. Um, I don't think it works. I think it's short-sighted. I think they've written off older people and, and I'm not just saying that because I'm an older person, but you know, I think if you ask 99% of the people who are baseball fans, younger people who are baseball fans, how did you become interested in baseball? 
Well, my parents took me or my grandparents took me or an older person took me to a game. And that's how I got involved in baseball. And I think that, that baseball, by writing off the older fans, uh, is really missing the boat here. Don't get Bill started on the hockey shootout, please, ah. Paul. Oh. <laughs> Paul. There's been a lot of talk about speeding up baseball. Uh, I believe the average game is three hours and 10 minutes now. It used to be like 245, 250. Does the game need to be sped up? And are we finally going to see a pitch clock implemented and enforced, maybe as soon as next year? Uh, I think we are going to see a pitch clock. Um, and I guess we'll no longer be able then to say that baseball is the only game without a clock. Yeah. Um, although I guess they do have clocks for between innings now and how long the batter is supposed to take to get to the plate and all that sort of thing. So um, the the one thing I've, I've done this long enough though, to, to remember when, well, this year we're going to enforce box and this year we're going to enforce, we're going to call the high strike. And this year we're going to do this. And those things never seem to stick. Yep. Uh, they passed a rule a couple of years ago that the hitter couldn't leave the batter's box during his at bat. Mm-hmm. And then they made about 17 exceptions. And I don't think that's had any impact at all because you don't enforce it. So you can you can write all the rules you want about speeding things up. Um, and if you don't enforce them, it's not really going to make much difference. Paul, a lot of noise was made uh, about the automatic strike zone after that Angel Hernandez debacle a couple of weeks ago. And uh, surprisingly, Joe Girardi was for it. It really surprised me. And uh, even to the point he said that he thought the umpire should be behind the pitcher. That really surprised me as well. Yeah, I, I understand the appeal of it. And um, I, I would tell you a quick story. Last year, I went down to the stadium to say hi to Joe West, who I've known for a long time. And and um, we were talking about this. And I, he was mentioning one of the umpires. Um, I, I forget which one he said, but uh, the guy called him after a game and said he was really upset because according to the MLB pitch tracking system, uh, he had missed six or seven pitches. And he took a lot of pride in his balls and strike calls and that upset him. And Joe said to him, well, how many did the machine fail to register? And the guy said, 13. And he said, well, see, you're twice as good as the machine. <laughs> so, I mean, so what, so what, what happens then if the, if the machine misses a pitch for some reason, then does the umpire have to make the call? I mean, I, I think this kind of, this kind of goes back to my theory about uh, uh, instant replay. I was in favor of instant replay when it started. And if you remember, it was just for uh, border calls and home runs and things of that nature. And then they expanded it to, safer out on stolen bases and things. And now all of a sudden they're slowing it down and a, a, a stolen base has been a stolen base for a hundred years. Might not be because the runner's foot hits the base and pops up for a millisecond and the, the he gets tagged and he's out and they have to look at it for five minutes. And I think there are always unintended consequences when you make changes. And I just hope before they do something like that, they think it all the way through. And the other thing about robo umpires to me is somebody's got to be in charge out there. Somebody's got to be the the buck stops here guy, and it's the umpires. And if you take balls and strikes away from umpires, at some level it feels to me like you're undermining their authority a little bit. And I don't really care for that either. Plus, again, I'm a curmudgeonly old dinosaur. So, <laughs> me too. Paul, last thing from me, uh, before the season started that very week, Bill and I made our predictions, 89, 88 wins for the Phillies. Did you make a prediction and have you changed it since the season started? Um, I I did not, um, but it probably would have been right in the same range. Um, I thought they should be a little better this year than last year. But I think one thing that happens is you look at your team and you say, well, this team's improved here and it's improved here, but you don't think that the other teams might have improved too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's one thing. Um, I was very, uh, I was listening to the radio one day and uh, there was, they were talking about an ESPN poll that came out that only three out of 37 of the writers who participated thought the, the Phillies would make the playoffs. And uh, the, the, the people on the radio were outraged by this. They thought this was mm-hmm. terrible. And I started thinking, well, okay. So I don't think they're going to win the division. I'm not sure they're better than the Padres. I'm not sure they're better than the Mets. I'm not sure they're better than the Braves. I'm not sure they're better than, you know, and when you start thinking of the teams that might be better, uh, I I saw them finishing third and probably not making the playoffs. Um, Now, 
Uh, could they put something together? It still is very early in the season. Could they put things together? Sure, they could, but it's hard to outslug a team for a whole year. Uh, and and again, the the hitting really hasn't been the problem. Um, they they've scored enough runs and they have the high OPS. So what they what they need to do is improve their pitching and their defense. I don't I don't see how they're going to necessarily improve the the defense uh, at this point of the season. But I do think you know if Zach Wheeler stays healthy, uh, if Zach Eflin you know finally shows a consistency that we have thought he might be right on the verge of for a while. Um, if, um, if Aaron Nola can, can, you know, he shows you flashes, but he hasn't done it as consistently as he did a couple of years ago. Uh, then I think the Phillies could, could get there and be, and be in the playoffs. Uh, but I also know that the more times you say, if the, the less likely it is to happen. <laughs> right. So we'll, we'll see. That's, that's why we play the games, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, Paul, we are out of time. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, especially uh, jumping in there with Ray as well. That was that was great. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad we could do it. Yep, me too. All right, let's do nice it again ball. during the season. Absolutely. All right, All right, thanks, Paul. Thank you. All right. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to all of our shows over at the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week. Wall-to-wall coverage network is loaded up again. You can catch all the action on www.eopsports as well as Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube. You can also find our show, Philly Press Box Radio, on our YouTube channel. Please hit the like and follow and share buttons with your family and friends. Monday, Broad Street Police, they'll be talking about a new coach and a new draft pick. Monday's podcast, Monday Mailbag with Joey Sharon. Tuesday, Talking Philly sports with Matty B. Wednesday, we're talking union soccer with Eric Williamson. Wednesday, us. Thursday this week, Edge of Philly sports, the big guys, Joey and I, will be getting Sixers post game Thursday night instead of the Wednesday night. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, the Patterson Avenue Fanatics, breakfast with the boys. Check that out. And Sunday, 9 p.m., Lax Philly, lacrosse at Philly and beyond. So check them all out. Good mm-hmm. stuff going on at EOP, my friend. You know it, Bill. All right. Hey, Chet, we're going to stick in here just about 30 seconds of Sixers talk. Uh, game six coming up at the Wells Fargo Center tomorrow night. Not a good showing last night. Uh, the heat came out of the box just on fire. Uh, Sixers had no answers, no energy, not much of anything last night. In the game that you might want to say they kind of had to have. It was ugly, Bill. Not one sixer played well. Maxi shot two out of ten. One of his worst games, not just of the playoffs, but of his entire season. Harden had just 14 points. There were turnovers galore. There was bad defense. Embiid took an absolute beating. He just never looked right. Uh, we saw him dive into the crowd to try to save an errant pass. Hurt his back on that one. Later, he got smacked in the face. I guess it was uh, this side, right, where he had the orbital injury. And, you know, some people were bashing him on the radio today that he played soft. I mean, the guy is in a lot of pain right now. I give him credit for going out there. Did he play as hard as he could have with those injuries? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how bad he is hurting, but he's clearly got to play even better or harder in game six if they're going to extend this series. Um, nobody else stepped up. And what was a 12-point deficit at the half ended up as a 35-point blowout loss. And now their backs are against the wall. So you got to win Thursday night or you can go golfing. Yeah. Well, I'll just add two comments. One is if Embiid is in a situation like that and he can't, he just doesn't have it tonight, that happens sometimes, um, the other guys have to step up. You know, the, the team's got to rally around that and, um, you know, they need to win a game like that or certainly compete in a game like that. Uh, as he goes, the whole rest of them can't go. They can't all stink on one night or, like yep. you said, they'll be golfing. Yeah, absolutely right. So uh, it comes down to Thursday night to see if they can extend this season. I'm not putting this one on Doc Rivers from Tuesday night. I think no. it was just the guys just did not step up. They looked tentative and for whatever reason, they weren't personally ready to play. And that's got to change in a hurry when they get back to the Wells Fargo Center. That's right. And that's not on Doc Rivers. Players have to come play yeah. uh, on a big game like that. You can only rah-rah it out so much. The boys got to get it done. All right. Great guest tonight, as always. Ray Dittiger, Paul Hagan. 
uh, Hall of Fame night here at Philly Press Box Radio. You've uh, how are you going to top this? Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio? Next oh week? man, Bill, uh, something a little different next week. You won't be there in person with me, but I'm hoping that if the technology allows, you will be joining me via our Zoom type setup. I will be at Lincoln Financial Field, believe it or not, for the event that we talked about a few weeks back. It is the Women Against Abuse annual fundraiser. And it will be at the link next Wednesday evening, starting at 5 o'clock. And Troy Vincent and his wife will be there. They will be honored as Advocates of the Year. And we are going to do a show, Bill, from 6 to 7.30. You and hopefully me joining us via the interweb. And if all goes well, I will also have a couple of guests stopping by our table, including our pal Dave Spadaro. He's going to be a judge for the little cook-off that they're having, and that's from 5 to 6. So he's going to then come over sometime in the 6 o'clock half hour, hopefully, and join us, you and me. And a couple of other folks will hopefully stop by as well. So it's going to be fun. And as I said, our show will likely be 6 to 7.30 next week, followed immediately by Big Al and Joey Sheeran, doing their Edge of Philly sports show immediately afterwards. So from 7.30 to 9.00. should be a great night next Wednesday at the link and you guys watching us via the internet. There you go. Looking forward to it. Hopefully we get all that technology worked out. We got some time to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take another quick break and thanks our, thank our friends over to PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook, Facebook page. So people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line razzes that give you greater odds of winning. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Okay. Jet, we're not going to make you talk Flyers tonight, so do you have a parting shot quickly? I'll tell you one thing about the Flyers, Bill. The season is over, and yet they lost again. They <laughs> were in the draft lottery, and they were the fourth worst team. They fell down a notch, and they're going to have the fifth pick in the lottery. That's the kind of season they have had, my friend. All well, right, a couple other random things, Bill. One other thing on yeah. the Flyers, though. Barry Trotz uh, becomes available up with the Islanders uh that might be a deal you got to make. I believe yeah. he is the third winningest coach in NHL history. He's been around a long time and had a and lot he's of available. success. Though. Yeah, do it. The Kentucky Derby on Saturday, Bill. Pretty thrilling stuff. Rich strike an 80 to one long shot. The winner really turning it on down the stretch. A shame I didn't bet big money on that. Penn State alum, Johan, Johan, Johan Dotson, not Johan. Johan Dotson, now with the Washington Commanders. He was at minicamp last weekend and figured he'd have to miss his graduation out in Happy Valley. Nope. Coach Ron Rivera knew that Johan would like to be there, and he insisted that he go. He did. So kudos to Coach Ron Rivera for that. And as noted, Bill, the uh, NFL schedule is coming out officially Thursday evening. We do know already, though, that the Eagles will play their home opener on Monday night, September 19th, against those Minnesota Vikings, now coached by Kevin McConnell. We had his father on with us the very week that Kevin officially got the job earlier this year, and that was quite cool. And, Bill, you and I think that we are going to have something special going on with Edge of Philly uh, maybe that day or the previous day ahead of the Eagles-Vikings game in mid-September. So keep your eyes and ears open for that, everybody. Absolutely. All right. Let's wrap it up. What do you think? Wrap it up. Let's Dinner time. Thank tonight's special Hall of Fame guests, Ray Didinger and Paul Hagan, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's Like Your Age.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, May 18th at 6 p.m. Yes. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and for one more time at least, Chet, let's go Sixers. Mm-hmm. <laughs>